you, King? What do you got for us? Oh, I don't have any more disappointments. Then we can move on to games that we thought were good, but weren't our favorite. What you got? Uh, wow, there are a lot of options here. Uh, Pseudo Rungalia. How about that? Okay, the N64 Castlevania-like with the hot goat lady. Yes. What? <laughs> that, that is Pseudo Rungalia, yes. I have not heard of this. This is a relatively short 3D platformer with some cool advanced movement tech going on that is inspired by Castlevania 64, I think. Of all things to draw inspiration from, that's interesting. It's mostly the visual style and that it's kind of a Metroidvania, but it is, in all senses of the word, a 3D platformer. You do combat in it, but it's a very, very small part of the game. Hmm. So I really liked it. I picked it out of a, I, I was looking on the Steam store and I, I saw it. I was like, wow, this looks cool. I'll just, I'll buy it. It's really cheap. Apparently it's really short. So I played it and I had a lot of fun with it. I think it's really cool. As I said, there's a lot of advanced movement tech in it. There's like a wall run. There's a thing where if you, it's kind of like the side flip in Sunshine and 64 Mm -hmm. and whatever. There's a move kind of similar to that, but I think it gives you like more distance. It's been a little bit since I've played it, but there's a bunch of moves in that vein, I would say, focused on like, if you find a power up in the world, then it will let, allow you to do more, which will then allow you to reach more areas. So that's the sense in which it feels like a Metroidvania, Castlevania game. It's just that all those power ups are based solely around your movement and platforming. Hmm. And it's a pretty short game, which is nice because it's able to get the most out of its ideas and then kind of dip. I really like the visual style and the music. I think it takes place in a dream. The story is almost non-existent, so I don't really remember what happens in it, but I think that you're in a dream, and it definitely feels like that because it looks like uh, an N64 game. You get like the fog everywhere <laughs> to obscure draw distance and stuff, <laughs> and like the textures. Speaking are of which, we still need to play Glover on the show. <laughs> Hell yeah! So, and I like that vibe a lot for a Castlevania-ish inspired thing because it's a little bit creepy. I wouldn't say it's scary. But it's a little bit unsettling in a cool way. And I like that era of games, which looked a bit like kind of Ocarina of Time and Majora benefit from the fact that they're on the N64 and can be a little bit more unsettling just because they're darker and less detailed. So a lot more is left up to the imagination. And I think that Pseudorogalia is definitely a game that people should check out if you're into the 3D Mario games, specifically the collectathon ones. And if you like Metroidvanias, Mm. I would highly recommend it. It is a little bit, it's like a one person made the game and it seems like it's a little janky. I would say that in all the areas that matter, it is not janky, but I think when it first came out, it didn't even have a map, which kind of sucked, (laughs) but also the game's not very big. So it's easy enough to figure everything out on your own, but I think they added a map recently, I think. But yeah, I would definitely recommend it. I think it's really cool. I like that. Yeah, I have to look into that. All right. I do want to mention, I don't know, Buttface, are you going to go next or? Uh, No, you go ahead. Okay. I I do want to mention, I didn't play this game, but there is another N64 inspired game where you play as a goat called like Cornhole 64. Excuse me? (laughs) Cornhole 64. Corn Rose 64, Corn Kids 64, something like that. 
Korg. <laughs> and in the description of this game, it <laughs> says glorious 30 FPS. It should have been 20 FPS, but we decided to be generous. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, if you guys like pseudo regalia and want more goat N64. If you want to play cornhole in 3D N64 style. Yeah, and check out Cornhole 64. Isn't Cornhole the game where you have like the little bean bag and you throw it into the hole? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> have you guys ever played Squee Pig Piggle BBQ? What? <laughs> Am I Did alive? Did you even right say now? that in Did English? Just... Was that were those Did I words? Just have a stroke? What? Um. Yeah, this was a real game on the Xbox Live Arcade. It's like a what the fuck was it? It's. I remember there's like an FMV of this weird woman talking to the camera, and then it's like a there's like a little pig thing that bounces around, and the, like the goal is to cook them. It was like two dollars. <laughs> it was one of those random Xbox Live Arcade games that nobody played. No. Did you play Kingdom of Keflings? No. I used to play the fuck out of that game. You just reminded me of it. Did you guys ever play Mighty Guy? Yeah. Hell yeah, you did. Yes. Yeah! Thank you. It was a long time ago, but yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, funbrain.com. I remember that. I wonder if they're still up. I'll look at it later. Fuck it. <laughs> but, uh, let's see. Next game. Uh, going off of indie stuff made by one person, primarily one person. I played Clive and Wrench. Uh, that was uh, sort of kind of a Banjo-Kazooie kind of game, right? You'd think so, based on like the... It's like, oh, you play as two characters at once, and the logo kind of looks like Banjo-Kazooie, and the plot is kind of like Grunty's Revenge for the GBA, where you go through time. I there don't know. was a Banjo game on the Game Boy Advance, wasn't there? Yes, I yeah. reviewed it, even. Okay, Clive and Wrench, I picked it up when it came out earlier in the year. I got like three levels into it and just kind of dropped it, and then towards the end of the year, I circled back and finally started a new playthrough and finished it if you want to talk about jank this is definitely a game that feel like apparently it was the brainchild of one guy who has been working on it since 2013 and only just now got it released last year eventually i think maybe there was a kickstarter or something to finish it because there were other people working on the game listed in the credits so eventually he picked up some more people to help him finish it i guess but it does have some of that those alien game vibes going on where it's like, wait, what? Why is this here? What's what's going on? Why is the guy eating an onion? Like all the cutscenes have no dialogue, and there's like an opening cutscene that feels straight out of a creepy pasta. It's like that it has this uncanny quality to it. But once you get into the game, you'll discover that the movement is not as tight and responsive as, say, a Mario Odyssey or a Spyro. But it's competent enough, like, for a Banjo-Kazooie-inspired game, it's nowhere near as creative as those games were with the moves. Like, that was, like, the best thing about Banjo-Kazooie is that you have, like, these two radically different characters working together and doing crazy moves together. Like, shooting eggs or using Kazooie's wings to do a huge backflip hovering and stuff. And then Banjo is more of, like, the powerhouse character. Whereas with this game, it's just, like, it's more like Jack and Daxter, really, where Clive does all the work and all Wrench is really good for is extending your jump, pretty much. The main attack even looks like the spin from Jack and Daxter. So it's it's kind of inspired by a little bit of everything because there are tons of references to other platformers in the game. There's even 
I mentioned this when we played Toy Story 2, but there's a an ancient stone, one of the main Power Star type collectibles that you, you climb to the top of this treehouse type area in a swamp and you collect this ancient stone and the name for it is at least you don't have to fight a kite mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, the Zerg kite. And then there is a part where yeah. there's like a boat tour in the same level and it's like it's listing locations from Jack and Daxter as places you can go to so it's like clearly it's it's wearing its influences on its sleeve once i found out it was made by one person primarily i felt a lot more forgiving towards it i don't know if that's like condescending no it's it's understanding the context and um because like i mean one person can't do the work of 300 people yeah you know so it 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 makes sense that like if one guy or one person is going to be making a game that it would be more rough around the edges or you know in some cases simpler but like if it's like a studio of people your expectations are going to be different because they're going to have more resources more skills so on and so forth once once you get past kind of all the the little flaws in the game i do think as a -a collectathon it's pretty decent one thing that it really has going for it is that it has a good pace like you don't have to waste your time talking to npcs if you don't care you can skip through all that shit you can complete all the objectives for a character without having to talk to them the first time or whatever or even having to talk to them at all really like you get the equivalent of finding five of bo peep's sheep just automatically makes an ancient stone appear so you don't have to talk to an npc afterwards they kept the plot mostly non-intrusive one thing I will give it credit for it is, is it has one of the best villain designs I've seen in a hot minute. It's like this evil scientist rabbit guy. He looks awesome. Put up a picture of him. His name is Dr. Dacus. Wow, what a stud. Or, yeah, that's Ryan's what type, Dr. everybody. <laughs> the platforming is fairly basic. There are no unlockable moves. There are no minigames, which is kind of interesting. So if you like Spyro but didn't like all the mini games, and you're you've already worn out Spyro one, then maybe give this a shot. I don't know. It just felt good to collect all the things. That's that's what I like about collectathons. It's a straightforward one hundred percent job, and it, there wasn't any point where I felt like, okay, this is starting to drag. Can we get on with it, please? Like I do with so many modern platformers. You know, it's not the greatest game I've ever played in my life, but it's competent. It was worth my time. If you can get past some of the jank and just appreciate it for just what it is, what it's trying to be as a passion project, this one person has been working on for a decade, then I think Holy you'll shit, really? you'll enjoy it. Hang on. What is this game called again? Like, what's the exact name? Clive and Wrench. Clive and Wrench. That's on Steam, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to look this game up and uh, I will wishlist it because it actually sounds pretty cool. So that that was Clive and Wrench. Not my favorite game of the year, not the worst. I feel like a lot of people are going to give me crap for it because, like, famously, I was not a huge fan of Banjo-Tooie, which is a game, like, comparatively, that has, like, tons of production value and lots of characters and really impressive graphics for N64. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a game with a huge scope. But that was kind of the thing I didn't like about it was that you spend so much time looking for jiggy puzzles to solve. Like there's a lot of dead space in that game and it's hard to figure out where you're going. And I don't know the game just kind of is bloated and overly long, in my opinion. So what I liked about this game, even though it's rougher around the edges and is probably not as good a game as Banjo-Tooie, it has much better pacing than Banjo-Tooie. So 
I personally liked it more. I mean, I'm looking at the trailer right now. The game honestly looks pretty cool. It's one of those games where, like, I think when you pick up the controller and play it, you'll be like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Mm. But then eventually you kind of get used to it. And then the game get only kind of goes up from there. I'll give it a shot someday. All right. Uh, who's next? I'll go. I played a game called On Guard. It was pretty cool. There was this uh, there's this guy on YouTube who does these videos about playing Dark Souls clones that he found on Steam. And some are pretty good. Some are like really bad. Mm-hmm. And he played this earlier this year and he said it, w- it was pretty cool. And I saw it and I'm like, oh, this is more my speed because he plays a, as like a swashbuckler. And you're like running oh, okay. around and you have like a little rapier and you're like poking people with a sharp sword. And you're also using the environment like you're kicking tables and doing flips and throwing shit at people. It's really fun. And it's also like super tongue in cheek. It's also like kind of hard. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really have a lot to say about it because it's a pretty short game. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that like it is like it's charming without being obnoxious. Like the writing is very tongue in cheek, but like it's not annoying. The music is actually like really, really fucking good. And I think a lot of people kind of slept on it. I just think maybe like the game is it could be a little overwhelming because like it kind of throws you in the deep end really fast. And like you kind of you might have to like remap the buttons because like the layout was kind of weird. So it takes a little bit to get used to because like you have to like, you know, you're you're dodging and parrying and doing flips and jumping. And it's just there's a lot to manage. And they kind of like it doesn't do the best job of like easing you in. But like once when you find the kind of rhythm that the game is like, I guess, laying out for you, like once when you dance that kind of dance, it's really, really good. So it's a short game. I think it's like 20 bucks or something. I don't know. I liked it. And if you guys like Dark Souls ish games, check it out. It's, even though it's not really like a Souls game, it really is. It's more like a it's like a level by level kind of game. But it's like more focused on like being on the defense than it is being on the offense. I don't mm-hmm. know. I played it not that long ago, <laughs> so it's kind of fresh on the mind. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually really fun. So, yeah, that's it. I keep being a short th- for uh, for this one. It's good. Okay. Yeah. Mr. King. Well, what do we got in this list here? Um, We haven't talked about Resident Evil 4 yet. I mean, that's like Resident Evil 4 is like rank number five on my list, but we could talk about it. Yeah. Resident Evil 4 remake was fucking awesome. I played Resident Evil 4 original and the remake back to back for the first time this year, last year. And I enjoyed them both thoroughly. I think they're fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. The remake, I guess, will center on because that was the new one. I think that it is a cool remake because it feels more like a remix, I guess is the best way to put it. Because I, I did wonder, like, hmm, how are they going to do this? Because I guess Resident Evil 2 is a little bit more of a departure from what the original was. And you can kind of feel that when you play the remake of that game. But I also really enjoyed it. So I was interested to see if they would do the same thing with RE4. And I guess in some ways they kind of do, but you ultimately do all of the same stuff. You just do it in a different order, in a different way. And I think they technically only cut like one boss that then shows up again in the Ada separate side story thing. Oh. So, so I thought that it was a cool compliment to the original. And this is how I enjoy remakes to be, where I don't like when remakes attempt to replace the original. It's funny that I say that because, you know, we have the guy here. 
I guess I prefer when remakes allow you to appreciate the original more. And that is exactly what RE4 Remake does, where I played through it, and I was like, this is a really cool, different rendition on the same things that happened in RE4, where they've like twisted up the combat a bit, so it's a little bit more high-paced. It's a little bit more, like, because you have a parry and stuff. So what they did is they made the enemies a lot more aggressive. So it feels, I guess you could say, calling it a little bit more difficult doesn't seem right, because they're both difficult games, just in their own ways. So I think that they, the changes that they made, when you look at it from the lens of like, how can they subvert expectations? Everybody's favorite phrase. <laughs> how did this game subvert your expectations? And I think that was the goal of it is to, for people who are familiar with RE4, and I was when I played the remake because I had just played it for the first time, Yeah, they will, they'll twist the things that you're expecting to happen in the places that you expect them to happen in. And I guess the perfect example is in the village section in the beginning. There are a lot of places where you would go in the original that are just not going to work out for you in the remake because they know that you're going to yep. do it that way. And I thought that, that was a really cool thing that they do throughout the whole remake to make it feel like fresh and interesting. And ultimately, I just think it's a really fun game. It's like, I guess, justified its own existence. And it is an example of the type of remake that I personally enjoy because it allowed me, I played both the original and the remake back to back. And I appreciate them both for different reasons, and I love them both for different reasons, and I think that's the ideal outcome for a remake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought it was I really have... cool, and it's probably... I don't know if I like RE4 Remake more than RE2 Remake, because RE2 Remake is a lot less action-y. It's a little bit more... The level design is more... At least for, like, part of it, the level design is more Zelda dungeon-y, I guess you could call it. Yeah. And I, I, I think that I like that vibe more where it's a little bit more scary because of that because you have less to work with inherently and i think mr x is just really cool <laughs> uh, uh, i'm just thinking know. of that part in the original where Ada tackles him off a ledge and he falls into a vat of acid <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh um, that was great but yeah, RE4 Remake was really good. It's my number five of the year. I had a lot of fun with it. I actually want to play it again, maybe on yeah. a higher difficulty. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, speaking as that guy in the call, as you described yeah, yeah, I am the type to appreciate when a game can provide a more definitive take, let's say. Is that more mm -hmm. polite and respectful to the original? But that is definitely, I think, if you're going to make that type of remake, that's what you should shoot for. Yes. Try to make it definitive. But I will say I played all four of the Resident Evil remakes this year, and it did provide me. It, I, I think my perspective has changed on remakes because of playing them, mm -hmm. that there is the line between reimagining and remake has been blurred from yeah. having played these games. I, didn't, I had already discussed this when I reviewed Sandwich Returns earlier this year. It's possible to make a game that is like a zero mission where it's both a faithful remake and like a cool reimagining that adds all this stuff. That's honestly where I would place Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 1 remake for the most part. Like there's some stuff that's missing, mm -hmm. but... For the most part, it follows the broad skeleton of those games and adds stuff more often than it takes it away. Yes. Like the police building, the general 
structure of it is the same as the original, but they add some extra rooms and some new puzzles and stuff to make moving around that more interesting. They took Mr. X, which sucked completely in the original game. He was hilarious in how ineffective he was and actually made him threatening, though that honestly got old. Resident Evil 2 remake is a masterpiece, in my opinion. That game is really good. I would agree. That's probably my favorite Resi game at this point. And I say that having played through all of the series last year, except for the remake, so including the original. So when I got to it, I was kind of skeptical, but it, it won me over. I think it was the perfect modernization of these older survival horror games. And it's something I would like to see more of from Resident Evil going forward, because like a village was kind of actiony focused. And so was like Biohazard starts off really horror ish, but then at some point it just turns into a horror shooter type thing. Yeah. Resident Evil I 3. I played that a few days ago. Resi 3, I actually really liked the remake. I know everybody mm. hates it. I appreciated it as a full blown reimagining. And I've always been of the opinion that the original Resi 3, I actually finished it this year for the first time. I played it last year, but I got all the way to the final boss and was just fed up with it. For some reason, the second time around, I I played it on the GameCube. I don't know if they made the game easier on GameCube or something, but it just seemed like a lot of the issues I was having the last time weren't as big of a deal. But I I get why people wouldn't like 3, because it it is not like the Resi 2 and Resi 4 remakes, where it's like kind of like the original, but they add some stuff on top of it and... In this case, it's like a completely different game. And I'm sure that's not what a lot of people were looking for. But to me, it was something I could appreciate. It's like, okay, it's a reimagining. It doesn't have to be like the original. I'm cool with that. Though some- I was disappointed by it having not even played RE3 original. Specifically because I just don't really like how they handled Nemesis very much. But yeah, they because could have had a couple they more really, They lean heavy into the idea that they want him to be like a souped up Mr. X. And he does that for like five seconds and then becomes like a a bloodborne monster. Yeah. There's like three chases. You go through a sewer and then you get out of the sewer and he gets knocked into some water and then he turns into a dog monster. Yeah. And I like, I just did. I don't know. It, It was a fun game, I think, but out of all the Resi remakes, that's definitely my least favorite one that I played, but it was, you know, it was decent game. I enjoyed it well enough. It was just kind of disappointing. Sure. I totally get that. Resi 4 was actually the first one I played. That's how I kicked it off because obviously it was like one of the big games to come out in January. And um, I really enjoyed it. I like like you, I had just played Resident Evil 4 through for the first time last uh, 2022. Mm -hmm. So it was fresh on the brain. I remembered it fairly well. And generally... uh, I think it really benefits from having a solid foundation in its original. Yeah. Where it's just like the core game loop and the combat engine was already fun and it can take advantage of modern control schemes and not being tank controls for no reason. Like you can Mm. actually strafe. Then there is the parry, which is kind of a pain in the ass to do with the keyboard. I played with mouse and keyboard. Mm. They map parry to F or something or shift. I think it was shift and it was kind of a, pain in the ass to use that so i don't know how it feels on a controller but it was kind of didn't feel very good on keyboard the bosses were great if you're going to remake this game that people were kind of skeptical about remaking i think changing the tone was also a good call 
Yeah. Because the original is just like a straight up B movie. The original is hilarious. Yeah. Like, I love the original story. It's amazing. They gave no fucks and it was yeah. great. Like your right hand comes off. <laughs> well, they, they, I love the new take because it is more serious, but they still keep like the bingo line. So like you can tell it's not taking itself super seriously, but is a lot more serious than the original ever was. Like, what's the dude's name who works for Umbrella? Uh, was it Luis? Yeah, Luis. In the original, when I'm a spoiler, Resident Evil Four. Big book. <laughs> uh, in uh, when Luis dies in the original, I like actually laughed because it just like he's he barely even exists, and then he starts to help you in the castle, and he just instantly dies. And Leon's like, "Oh my god, Luis!" And I just I was like. I don't even know who this man is. And in the remake, like, I'm not going to say it, like, made me cry or something, but, like, it actually felt a lot more effective because Luis got to do a lot more in the remake. You it felt like more of a character. Smoke. So I think the remake definitely benefits from doing stuff like that. Like, um, Which is honestly not even a dig at the original because yeah. I enjoy the original because it's amusing. Yes, like, that is a perfect example of a postmodern game. Or, like, mm-hmm. the villain's name is Osmond Sadler. Clearly a take <laughs> on Oswell Spencer from the older games. It's just like, here, we're bringing this guy. He's not the same as the other guy, but he has a similar name. And he has, like, he's voiced by Nasty Nork. And he's being completely over-the-top hammy. And, like, yeah. the joke the joke becomes the fact that it's such a conventionally structured plot that is so heightened. Yeah. So it's like, if you're going to remake the game, you might as well try taking it a different route. And I'd say as a horror game, this was more effective at actually being scary. Part of that's just because the originals, you know, like from 2005. Yeah. But, you know, still, it's like the regenerators had me on my toes. (laughs) Yeah, I enjoyed the regenerator section, I think specifically because of their aggression. Because I, I will admit that in the remake, when I fa- saw the regenerator for the first time and they sort of like flop on the floor, I laughed a little bit because they look a little bit ridiculous. But yeah. they're also really threatening. So I think that's the thing about remake is that because the enemies are like faster and more aggressive to get you to use your parry and stuff, it feels like a more scary game to play because of that. Oh my God, um, the Chainsaw Sisters. Yeah. Oh my God. Like that section's as well yeah is like you gotta deal with both of those fuckers at the same time which was in the original but like in the remake because they're like more aggressive it is a lot scarier it's not as like i I guess the thing about it is that it's not even really that the original wasn't scary because i don't know there there were some moments like the regenerator areas in the original that spooked me a bit but i think it's more that the remake wants to be scary and the original didn't really want to be yeah so i I think think it's a cool different rendition on what the original could have been in an alternate timeline sure yeah that's a good way to put it and like you said it was just a fun game yeah really it's a game that's almost all combat the combat engine was is really fun to play with and uh yeah because i remember when i was playing the original by the time you got to the island base i was kind of tapped out and ready for the game to kind of end but with this version i found myself still being into it and they extended the island section of the game quite a bit yeah and you know even the ashley sections weren't too bad yeah i like those honestly they're pretty neat really solid well-made game really enjoyed it yeah 
That's Resi 4. Mr. Buttface. And, and for those those of you in the at, at home, the reason I keep calling him Buttface is because that's what his Discord nickname is. Can you guys hear me, by the way? Ryan? I think that the... Uh, oh, I think there's some tech issues. All right. So Ryan is taking care of some technical difficulties so in the meantime king and i are going to keep on trucking with some games that the two of us have played mm-hmm. one of the biggest games of the year which kicked off the year alongside resident evil 4 was pizza tower for steam i don't think it ever got a console port did it no i don't think so there are some games where like i have my little uno thing where it just seems like nobody has ever talked about it mm-hmm. that is not the case for pizza tower like there was tons of Pizza Tower discussion and discourse on X this year. Yes. So a lot of people seemed to really like this game. So, King, what did you think of it? Uh, well, it's number seven in my ranking. So that should tell you. Okay. I thought that it was awesome. It was really good. It is like a, a blend of like, from what I'm told anyway, it's supposed to be like the Wario Land games. I haven't really played those. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it also plays more like Sonic does. The best that I've heard to describe it is like a blend of those, where it's like more focused on speed running and flow shit like that. But it has yeah. like the wacky MS Paint Wario look to it. So I think it's a really unique blend. I think that the biggest boon of Pizza Tower for me is that every level feels different from the last level. And there's always like a really cool gimmick you have to play around with. And the power-ups don't really feel like power-ups. They feel like, the way I describe it is that they feel like they change your controls around to make it more difficult to maintain your momentum. So like it adds mm-hmm. a different layer of challenge to keeping a run going, where like suddenly now if you hit like an incline with the night power-up, you like start sliding. And then you have to contend with like a whole different set of controls where you have to keep him sliding so that you can open a wall or something if you want to get all the the collectibles in a level. And so it's really just, um, I think that the fact that it is so speedrun focused means that it has the same appeal as Sonic often does, where keeping a run going feels really good, as hard as it can often be. It even has a ranking system. Yeah. And I think that it blends that with the traditional platformer incentive of collecting power-ups which in this case would be the the ingredients or the toppings on the pizza so you have to first play the levels find where all those are and then create a route where you can collect all of that stuff as fast as you possibly can to get the big ranking and i guess the big twist with all the levels is that when you reach the end this rad as fuck music starts playing and you have to escape the level (laughs) in a set amount of time before whatever his name is kills you which I guess is also from Wario Land. Pizza face. There is a guy who sort of kills you in Shake It, but in Wario Land 4, like, your, your coins no, I'm talking about draining. the mechanic of you have to escape the level. Yeah, that is end. definitely in, yes. Any other observations you wanted to share? Well, I think that just the style of it is incredibly unique and funny. Yes, yeah. There's a lot definitely. of cool visual humor that I like a lot. I think it just has a really unique vibe. I don't know. I, I just... From start to finish, I was thoroughly hooked on it, and the best I can say about it is that I enjoyed playing it more than Super Mario Bros. Wonder, even. So, hmm. 
It's probably my hmm. Pizza Tower is probably my platformer of choice of the year. So I loved it. Okay. I hate to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't want to be that guy, honestly. Like, people really liked this game, and I totally get it. Like, it is a yeah. game that has a completely unique Ren and Stimpy kind of art style going on. It's so weird in a way that, like, a mainstream game would never be. You can see the passion from every pixel, to paraphrase Jay's reviews. Mm-hmm. And the soundtrack was fucking awesome. Like, I bought yeah. that immediately. I've listened to it multiple times, so that adds it's great. It's a great soundtrack, yeah. I think there is a lot of good in, like, the mechanics and just, like, how everything flows and looks. I mean, I guess my reservations come from, I guess I just like more methodical, puzzly platformers. That's kind of what I liked about the other Warrior Land games, because, like, I have actually played all of the Warrior Land games uh, and Warrior World and Wario Master of Disguise and all of those games. So I have yeah. a pretty good background on all of them. And like, I think blending Sonic with Wario, it's an interesting idea, I guess. But to me, it just made the controls feel slippery in a way. Like, it just felt like I was crashing into everything all the time if I tried to be fast. Yeah. So I, I guess I just prefer more methodical puzzly platformers in my Wario likes. And I'm not really looking to speed run them. The fun of Warrior Land 4 was just exploring and looking around, in my opinion. Like, that game, in my opinion, is still the best Wario game. Mm-hmm. Or Wario-type game, I should say. Because, like, it has all of the strengths of this game and that it's weird. But I just liked the slower-paced, more methodical nature of that game more. Part of the problem, I think, for me is just platformer fatigue, honestly. Mm-hmm. I might have played a lot of games this year, but I only really played two 2D platformers this year, which would be this game and Mario Wonder, which you've mentioned already. And I think I'm just kind of at a point where, oh, I I also played Sonic Superstars, Mm -hmm. though that's a little different, I guess. And I think I'm just kind of at a point where, like, and I was kind of at this point last year when I was talking about the Kirby game, the Forgotten Land or whatever. Like, it's less of an issue with uh, Pizza Tower. It's an indie game. It doesn't have that many levels in it, but I still felt like some of them kind of dragged. I didn't really like the bosses. I felt like it was just kind of like, I hesitate to call them the platforming equivalent of a bullet hell. It wasn't really like that, but it felt like there was a bunch of stuff flying around and it got a little hectic for my taste. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of annoyed with the fact that the bosses essentially have two health bars. And some of them have a desperation attack at the end. Like, it seem, does seem like one of those games where if you don't like it, people get on your case for it. I know, because that happened to me. <laughs> so I'm trying to be diplomatic. I'm trying to be polite. I appreciate, like, Eric loved it. Yeah. He got all the P ranks. So, like, if you're in the audience this game was aiming for, you're going to absolutely love it. I just don't think I personally was in that audience. I think I, like, prefer my platformers a little different from this and that's just me so to all the people out there who love this game i get it more power to you not trying to rain on your parade so please don't me yeah well i'll you because the game was awesome and you're wrong so i'll you with the shotgun that pepino gets (laughs) in the the one of my favorite levels where i was playing it 
And I just remember you go into like the war level and the splash screen comes up with like the sunshine music. It, it made I laughed more than I've laughed in a while that year. I was like, <laughs> I don't know why, but I didn't expect you go into the war level and it's playing like the the sunshine special do, do, stage do, music. Do, 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 do. And it just has like Pepino PTSD on the screen. Like <laughs> it's just the funniest shit I've ever seen. And I think that was like there's so many cool levels that really took me off guard. Like there's just a level where he plays golf. And I thought it was hilarious. There's a level that is based on FNAF that I thought was really good. Yeah. And I thought really, it had a lot of ideas like that, that made it feel like, cause I know you said that there were parts at which you felt that it dragged a bit. I didn't really I, feel that at yeah. all personally, because I felt like each level was so radically different from the last, especially near the latter half of the game that I was engaged the whole way through by it. And I thought the final boss was really cool. I really liked that. Uh, I, I thought it was really obnoxious that they brought back all the other bosses, personally. I guess it's just a, a question of, do you enjoy the core loop of the game? And if not, then a lot of the things it's going to do would probably be pretty obnoxious. Because, And I guess this is why I enjoy a lot of the classic Sonic games and some of the 3D ones, maybe the boost ones, where... I just really like perfecting my run, I guess. And this game really leans into that. And it's, I like trying to maintain my flow because it just, it is really hard to pull off, but it feels really good when you do it. But I also think that as a regular platformer experience, before I got into all the speedrunning stuff, I still enjoyed it. It had enough gimmicks going on that I thought that it was paced really well in that regard because I never felt like anything that it was throwing at me was too rote. There was always something weird happening. Like you turn into like a, a pizza box in the sewers or some shit. Like, you know, I don't know. I just found it. Which is in a way called, oh shit. Yeah. And it's interesting to compare to Wonder, which was actually trying to do a lot of interesting things in that regard as well with the Wonder Seeds. But I think I just Maybe ended up feeling that, that Pizza Tower was a more radically cool, unique experience than, and I still really liked Wonder. Wonder's like, what number 12 in my list but if i had to pick a platformer that i enjoyed the most this year it'd probably be pizza tower because it has its own unique brand of mm -hmm. whatever that i've never really seen before and it was one of the more unique games i played so i thought it was awesome yeah i also learned about through jeb of JebTube told me that about something i didn't know before about yo noid or something <laughs> so he he was watching me play a section of it and he saw the, the Yonoid boss and he knew exactly what it was referencing and I didn't. And he told me the story of how like, I guess once they're in the in a Domino's or something, somebody like, yeah, I actually don't even remember what the story was, but there was like a ah! he's something. basically like the the tricks rabbit to Domino's. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah, I thought that that was just amusing that they had a reference to that going on in the game. Yeah, I thought the uh -huh. game was awesome. Pizza Tower number seven. I liked it more than Mario. That you put that on the on the, put that on your tombstone. Yeah. Well, we just talked about Pizza Tower. Speaking of Wario, can I cut in with the WarioWare game real quick before Buttface takes over? Sure. No. All right. <laughs> they made a new WarioWare game this last year. It's called WarioWare Move It for the Nintendo Switch gaming console. I didn't really have much interest in it because I played WarioWare Gold whenever that came out. And I was like, okay, they recycled a bunch of old 
micro games. It's one of those games where it's like, we're going to make a mediocre game to see if people still have interest in the series. And then if that does well, we'll actually make a new game that is more original, more exciting. It was one of those. And I played it and was like, eh, because I loved WarioWare as a kid. It was one of those things that really captured my ADHD brain <laughs> when I was younger, because mm-hmm. it was like quick, snappy micro games. And back when you're a kid and you only have like five games or whatever, it's it was something that was easy to come back to. And I had the first four games growing up, the two GBA games, the DS game and the Wii game. And the last of those was Smooth Moves for the Wii. One of the two big motion control showcases that actually really worked for the Wii, the other being Metroid Prime 3, where they really showed the advantages of motion controls as a technology and as a tool for game feel and stuff. And it's like Smooth Moves was good, but it was limited by the Wii remote being kind of crappy. Like there are times where you do exactly what the game wants you to do and it just won't work, which was kind of frustrating. But the game had a really good presentation music and stuff like i think a couple years ago they made a game called get it together for the switch which i think you played right yeah a little bit of it i remember seeing a trailer for that and it looked like you drag the characters around the screen like a cursor for the micro games some of them controlled differently but yeah eric was telling me that it was actually a pretty good game but i i skipped it because it didn't really look like anything interesting because mm-hmm. like what used to be fun about WarioWare, at least in the past, was it was always a good showcase game for the new gimmicks in each new Nintendo console, like the Wii Remote touchscreen, and then the one of the GBA ones, Twisted, was an early motion control game as well. I think it was originally came out in two thousand four and it had like a gyro sensor in it, so you could move the console around, and it would you know it was a novelty at the time. That was before the Wii. That was before the Kinect. And it was a pretty solid game. I think Twisted was is my favorite, honestly. But it's like with Get It Together, it didn't look like it was really doing that. It looked like something that could be on any platform, honestly. Yeah. I don't know if there's any gyro controls to move the cursor or the characters or whatever. Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so they didn't even have that then. Whereas Move It, on the other hand, is a spiritual successor to Smooth Moves in every way. Like it even has the forms where it's like the big cheese or I don't think it has the elephant one, but that kind of idea where each you hold the joy cons in your hand in a different sort of configuration, just like the Wii game. And it was pretty refreshing, honestly, because like I, I think motion controls were kind of poisoned from the Wii not really being ready for anything super intricate. So a lot of games back in the 2000s would just try to shoddily incorporate the motion controls, um, some better than others, and it kind of turned people off the technology. Then the Kinect came along and had shit like Han Solo dancing or whatever (laughs) in the Star Wars Kinect game. And apparently the Kinect was even worse. Sonic Freeriders, games like that. (laughs) And the technology just kind of dropped out aside from VR games like the Half-Life Alex game has a lot of motion control stuff in it. I played a little bit of it at a friend's house. And that's kind of all in Beat Saber and stuff like that. So it was nice to play a game on a, a Nintendo console that actually incorporated gyro controls, motion controls in some way. And in general, I found it was a lot more responsive than Smooth Moves, where it was 
fairly easy to figure out what the game wants you to do. And if you do it, for the most part, it will react correctly. Keywords being for the most part. <laughs> there were so many games, where it w- or micro games rather, where it was like, okay, I, what do you want me to do? What am I doing wrong? Why is this not working? There's like a mini game, micro game where you have to spray water on flowers that they just don't tell you you're supposed to lower your arms down. Mm. So that was annoying. There's another boss micro game where you have to flip stakes on a grill. And whenever the game wants you to drop the stakes on a plate, it just wouldn't work for whatever reason. And I had to drop the thing over and over again to get it to register. For the most part, it worked well. It looks nice. It has good presentation. There's voice acting in it, which I think was in gold as well. But I don't really remember that game as well. And Christina V is in the game for some reason. And so is Keith Silverstein, the voice of Masayoshi Shido from Persona 5 as the narrator, essentially, he's telling you about all the different forms <laughs> in the game. And it's just like, is there a game that guy isn't in? <laughs> I swear to God, he's in that fucking miraculous show with Ladybug and Cat Noir or whatever. And Christina V's in that too, I think. But yeah, I mean, like, it wasn't super long, but no WarioWare game really is super long. I didn't ha- really have time to go for all the high scores and all the optional stuff because I had to kind of move on to prepare for this podcast. I was just, the game was a gift for my brother for my birthday, and I only just now got to it. So I thought, eh, might as well, you know, pump through this game real quick so I could talk about it on the show. Hell yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. Cool. It's worth checking out if you like WarioWare. Now, Ryan, it is definitely your turn. I mean, do you guys want to talk about Mario Wonder? We're going to have to talk about it eventually. Sure. <laughs> That's the one you want to do. I mean, I, I don't like it's it's I, I liked what I've played. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but I mean, what about you guys? Like, what do you make of it? I liked it. Mm-hmm. I think that it was a cool attempt to do some some new things, but ultimately that it kind of just feels like standard 2D Mario with some. I was about to say that was yeah, pretty it, much what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember Like being like when this was revealed, I was pretty excited for it because, you know, we got like playable Mario, Toad, Peach, Luigi. And my my first thought was, oh, so, you know, they'll they'll probably do the Mario 2 thing or the 3D world thing where each one plays slightly differently. And then they show that Daisy's playable. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do with her. They didn't do a goddamn thing. Mm, They all they all play the same. And that really bummed me out. So I think the uh, Yoshi's play different. But yeah. For the most part, Yoshi's, I think, play like how they do in Yoshi's Island, if I remember right. But they're baby mode. Yeah. Which is why I never played them myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like I feel like as if Mario Wonder is like one step forward and one step back. Mm. Like it does a lot of cool things. But at the same time, it's like I I like the badge system they have to an extent. Yeah. But there's also a part of me that's like, okay, well, why wasn't this just like like the swimming one that makes your swimming actually good? It's like, why couldn't the swimming just be this good from the get go? Why do we have to wear a badge in order to do this? You know what I mean? Yeah, that was a badge where I was like, I don't know why you can't just swim like this normally. Like that struck me because there's like stuff like the grapple hook or whatever, where I'm like, okay, I sort of get it. But the swimming one is strange. The swimming one is just weird, mm-hmm. especially because there aren't even really that many underwater levels anyway. Yeah, I think more my problem with it, with the badge system was that 
first of all, that invisibility badge can go (laughs) eat a pile of genitals that it finds least appealing. Because like, oh my God, that secret final level that's like, that one section made me want hey, let me to tell you something. myself. I played that secret final level in handheld on a plane. So <laughs> you, I uh, went through hell to get through that stage. Let me tell you. But I think the bigger problem I had with the badges was that, or like Ryan was saying, all the characters look and play the same. Well, they don't look the same, but essentially all the characters are just skins for the same yeah. movement tech. And they cannibalized all of the movement that would have been traditional to those characters to put in badges instead. So like yeah. Peach's floaty jump is a badge now. And I thought that was disappointing because it's like, it's like, know. yeah, it's Peach's floaty jump is a badge, but it's also like when you're playing as Peach or Daisy, they don't use their umbrella. They use their hat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the kind of guy who gets upset over that, but I'm like, you had an opportunity here, guys. Come on. What you doing? Yeah. And it's like the the fun of having the other characters in the Mario games, like even going all the way back to Mario 2 was that they all played slightly differently. And that was kind of the fun of that's why I would always choose Peach is because I love her floaty jump. She's always my favorite character to play as in any of these games when she's playable. And then they took that away. So it's like, okay, it's just a skin, which is, I don't know, fine, but it's not the choice I necessarily would have made. Like some of the badges were cool. I'm trying to think of what they even were. I'm trying to remember. There's one where you hop constantly. That one was kind of dumb. There was a run. There's one where like you're always running, right? Yeah. Like I yeah. think those were like the advanced badges that are just for like daredevil players. So it's like, okay, yeah. whatever. And that includes the stupid invisibility badge, which has absolutely no benefit to the player as far as I'm concerned. Cause it's like, who cares if the enemies can't see you? I think my favorite one was where you could run off a ledge for a little bit afterwards. Yeah. And kind of had some DKC vibes where you roll off the yeah. edge in those games, I guess. Or the slide jump and crash. So that's kind of the badges. Like, really? And I'm sure a lot of people are going to f*** me for saying this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. This just felt like another new Super Mario Brothers game to me for the yeah, most part. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's funny that you actually brought up DKC. Because I I was playing this and I was reminded of that infamous Miyamoto quote where he said, like, people would like a mediocre game if the graphics were good or something like that. I'm paraphrasing, but I kind of felt that with this game where it's not to say that it was mediocre, but like the presentation I thought was like really good. Yeah. Yeah. The animations and the music and everything, like the flavor in the menus and everything was spot on. But the game just felt so run of the mill. But really, it's like, it's, like even, level, it's level design is pretty much what 2D Mario has been doing lately, except mm-hmm. except when you get a wonder seed and then it decides it's going to do something interesting for a little bit until it ends. Yeah. And yeah. so it's really my experience with the game was like it was fun enough, decent until you hit a wonder seed and you're like, oh, now I'm playing something really interesting for five seconds and then it ends (laughs) and that's very it i don't know it feels like mario is a fucking monkey's paw sometimes like (laughs) i I don't know what's going on over there if like I, i just don't know because it feels like no matter what in order to get something really unique something must suffer like you can only go so far 
it feels mm-hmm. like. And I just don't get it. I don't really get it. Because even this game, which a lot of people herald as like, this is like some new, this is a really like... A bold reinvention of 2D yeah. Mario. I see thrown around that it's like, oh, I'm glad, you know. And I've even said this myself in regards specifically to the visuals and stuff like that. And the fact that Wonder Seeds even exist. It is nice that we're out of the visual garbage of New Super Mario Bros. But yeah. at the same time, how evolved is it really when you compare it to something like what the 3D games have been doing with their ideas? Yeah. Or like you you look at like Bowser's Fury or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is still one of the coolest things in a Mario and game. And that kind of an idea is like feels like that it's trying to push some boundaries for Mario. It's trying to think of ways that Mario could, I don't want to say evolve, be done differently. Mm-hmm. There's cuz like Mario, it's 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 double-edged sword, like its strength and its curse is that it's Mario. And that's how it's yes. always been is that people go to Mario because it's Mario. So this game kind of feels like that, but occasionally you get something that isn't Mario at all for a brief spurt. And that's like when that's the most interesting part of the game, you kind of wonder what the fuck you're doing in the rest of the game when you're not at a wonder seed. <laughs> like, yeah, you wonder. All right. Woo-hoo-hoo. I mean, I would go even more negative than that and say that I wasn't super impressed with the wonder seeds. Like they weren't bad or anything, but it's not like they just felt like another gimmick that gets stapled yeah. onto the level for like a minute and a half and then it's over. You know what doesn't help, or at least with me, it's like when you hit a wonder seed and then there's those flowers that go, oh, well, that just happened. Yeah, that Whoa. is funny. It, it, I feel like as if the game is oh, it's like congratulating itself. What you should like do is change it to a different language. <laughs> yeah. Change it to Japanese and it is actually hilarious sometimes the way the, the flowers like, that sound exactly like sam regal but are not voiced by sam regal <laughs> it's like you get a wonder see it's like this is really weird isn't it before isn't this i so learned weird oh my gosh before, you didn't expect this before i learned you could turn it off the voice i when i was playing the final level i wanted to ah! this flower <laughs> because he like made the experience of doing the final level worse than it could have ever been because he just he will say the same things at the same points every single time. And I even said to my girlfriend, I'm like, I fucking hate this flower. And my girlfriend's <laughs> like, oh, no, I, I like him. He's cute. And I'm like, no, I want to push this flower off a cliff because this thing needs to shut up. I, I hate just him. picture you talking to her on the plane ride home <laughs> and it, it's sitting in your chair. And there's like a third person on the row with you <laughs> and they're like overhearing this conversation about the flower. Yeah, it feels to me. And again. I have Mario Wonder at number 12. It's not a bad game. But the the more distance I get from it, the more I question the idea that this really is a departure from new Super Mario Bros. in more than just visual design, animation, stuff like that. Even the fact that you go to a new kingdom doesn't feel as exciting as it should for whatever reason. It just kind of feels like, oh, you know, Bowser's here again, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. the, The bosses are like... I don't even really remember what they are. There's only like two of them. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think. There's like, you fight Bowser Jr. like five times or four times or whatever. This is why I feel like it's a monkey's paw. Because what? We get like this cool, like you go to a new kingdom, you get to play as Daisy. But 
none of the characters play like they ever have before. They get their abilities gutted. And you just at the end of the game, oh, yeah, you fight Bowser again. And Bowser Jr. is the only boss. Like, why does it have to be a monkey's paw? Like, I just don't get it. To be fair, at least the Bowser boss wasn't giant Bowser again or power up Bowser. Yeah. Because it seemed like for a while they didn't know how to make him interesting again. So they just, yeah, and that's not even a slate on the final boss, which I think was fun enough. But it's just, I don't know. I don't really get it. And uh, another observation while the graphics and the theming were pretty solid because it's like they're in theory there are a lot of things that make this more interesting than new super mario brothers yeah there's the more varied theming there's the fact that it's kind of more open world especially towards the end where you can pick one of three worlds to go through you got to do them all but you can do them in any order yeah i actually thought that yeah also like the that. finding the the hub worlds were a lot more fun to interact with they felt a little bit more like they had some secrets to find and stuff. It was cute. I yeah, thought the but... multiplayer or the online multiplayer yeah. was kind of cool. I liked the what they do for that. I tried it out a bit in some of the levels, and I think that it's cool to have the ghost system because it yeah. you can kind mm-hmm. of... I had some interactions where you can... T- I was showing people where the secrets were and stuff like that. Um, and if they put mm-hmm. the stand down, you can like get a, an, another checkpoint. I think that the most innovative thing about Mario Wonder is its multiplayer, probably. I thought that it was yeah. a really cool idea that they had going on there. But so. it's it's kind of like you said, King, it's like the double-edged sword of all of this. Like, you can change all of those things. You could try to make the story more involved. You know, you could set it in a different kingdom. But at the end of the day, it is a 2D Mario game that follows the formula pretty much to the fault. Except occasionally there's like a one minute detour where something visually interesting happens. Yeah. And it's also a 2D platformer in current year with the lives system. I thought we were done with that. Yeah. I didn't even realize that until you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, the game's too easy for me to have even noticed. But yeah, I just felt that was really weird. I don't know. I mean, again, it kind of feels like as if it's there because, oh, the other all the older games had that. So, of course, this game would have it. But I mean, Rayman got rid of that. Sonic got rid of that. Come on, Mario. (laughs) Let's go. Come on. If I may be permitted to make another minor rant. Yes. The soundtrack was not very good. I don't I can't I can maybe remember the athletic theme and that's it. And the Piranha Plant Parade theme from like the second level or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, like, I can remember the entire new Super Mario Brothers soundtrack just off the top of my head. The castle theme from the Wii game is fantastic. I do like the castle theme, yeah. And the same thing kind of goes for Metroid Dread and the newer Zelda games, to be honest. I don't really remember any Mm -hmm. of the music from those either. Odyssey had a great soundtrack, I guess, but Mm. it was a while ago. And I guess I should be clear on why I played this game, because last year, famously, I had my big rant about the Kirby game. And some people got really upset at me. One person decided to go onto Jay's Discord server and complain about me constantly. (laughs) You know who you are, and that is why I have not responded to any of your tweets for the past year. So, yeah, I don't know why that guy's still following me if he was so angry at me for not liking the Kirby game. But regardless, I think the game I was really describing when I was talking about that was Chibi Robo Ziplash. Yeah. Because I had played that for stock footage for the Metroid Samus Returns video, just for random stock footage, I guess, of other 3DS games. And I was playing that, 
And that game has all the worst impulses of these more contemporary level-based Nintendo platformers and none of the good parts. Because, like, the level design's not interesting. The It's really long. All the stages are too long. You can't even pick what level you want to play. It's, like, randomized on a roulette wheel. And then the bosses yeah. are really long. And that game was kind of what made me realize what I don't like about a lot of these newer Nintendo level-based platformers. And I kind of let that trickle into the Kirby discussion, even though that game on a curve is a lot more creative and interesting than Chibi's Robo Ziplash ever was. <laughs> and I still feel that way for the most part. Like, I am personally of the mind that platformers, level-based platformers are at their best when they're like two hours long and you charge like 20 bucks for them. That's kind of my sweet spot. That's what Kaze and the Wild Masks was in 2021 and why I voted it my game of the year I actually picked that game up yeah it's really good highly recommend it folks so to give mario wonder some much needed credit one thing i really liked about this game is that the levels were nice and short and snappy they were like two minutes max two to five minutes perfect because a lot of more recent games i felt have these level-based nintendo platforms have just had levels that are too long in my opinion there's like there's like a sweet spot for it. And a lot of a lot of these games tend towards the longer side. But Mario Wonder was like right in the money. So even if I had to replay a level for a collectible, I was in and out in like two minutes. And at that point, it doesn't really bother me. Giving the game some much deserved credit. Yeah, because again, it's not bad by any means. It's not even like it's, it's not even like mediocre or middle of the road. It's just kind of OK. Or at least I thought it was just kind of OK. Like it's it's a good game, but you I mean, it could have been a lot better yeah the best way i can put it is that it was really fun but i just the more distance i get from it the less i feel like it made any meaningful impact on 2d mario at all Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting uh, that we're all on the same page on this i may have uh come up with a new law regarding mario games is it a panera law no it's actually called the mario inflation law (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah where if you look at a if you look at like the reviews for a Mario game and you see that a game is getting like nines and tens, you could probably subtract like one or two points and it's more like on the money there. But that's not inflated. That's well, the no, the scores are inflated. Inflated so Mario like... is a a very specific, very specific reference. Very specific. also inflated Mario is in this game. Yeah, he is actually inflated Mario yeah. is in this game. That was pretty. I should hype. find a fan fiction about inflated Mario. No, no, I'm sure there's got to be at least a couple. I found like six Sidon Times Links fan fictions for us to read, which we'll have to get into sometime. But uh, yeah. Please check out our YouTube channel for playthroughs of our favorite games and video versions of all our podcasts. This episode was edited by yours truly, ExoParadigm Gamer. Check out the links in the description to follow each of us on YouTube, Twitter, and more. Thank you all very much for watching our podcast, and we'll see you all next time.